Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio today. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled that you are joining us today. We are going to have a wonderful conversation with a fantastic advocate, and we're going to be talking about mental and social wellness initiatives, and Lord knows we need those. But before I introduce you to Tori, um, I just want to give a few shout-outs, and first and uh, foremost, I have to shout-out to the Mark Arneson Band. They did our um, opening music called Clarion Call, and if you like that, you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We want to have real conversations with real people. And so we chat for about an hour. And um, we like to hear all voices, big and small, around the world, from those diagnosed to uh, those that are caring, both family and professionals, researchers, singers, songwriters, movie directors, um, kids and their initiatives. Everybody is welcome. And today is a live show. So you can call in if you have any questions or comments during the show at 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. Now, um, I do want to just encourage people to go and check out Dementia Map. It's a global resource directory that is so much more than just a list of resources. It also has a calendar of events, a glossary, a blog. There you're going to find all kinds of cool information. Uh, you can access the Memory Cafe directory. You'll find out about Coral Health, um, who is still allowing people to download two of their apps, Music First and Coral Faith. You will find out about... Um, Oh, my gosh, there's so much uh, home care, communities, all kinds of activity options and um, empowerment, coaching, other radio shows. Everybody is welcome. And we'd still love to get in a lot of those supplement, supplemental resources for people in everyday life, like real estate agents and attorneys and accountants and handymen. So, we have like 150 categories, um, and we're open to adding more. So check out DementiaMap.com, and it's uh, anyone can use this. It's free. You don't have to sign in, no password, no nothing. We keep it really, really simple uh, for you. In addition, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Brookdale Senior Living in North Oaks, uh, Minnesota, uh, along with uh, Brookdale um, and the Shoreview Community Center, we are doing a Caregiver um, Connect Group, and that is held the last Wednesday of each month from 10 to 11. 
Um, and you can just reach out to me at radio at Alzheimer Speaks for more information there. I also want to shout out to the Brain Donor Project. You know, if we're going to find a cure, guys, we have to be able to assess the brains. And we need both healthy and those with cognitive issues. So go to braindonorproject.org for more information. And then let's see the, excuse me, the charity um, BRACE, which is a dementia research um, project, is holding an international conference November 2nd called uh, Together for Dementia 21. And uh, mark that on your calendars. Uh, You can find, again, more information if you just go to our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com. We are going to hear from the Footbar Walker, and then I'll be introducing you to Tori Tellum. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Footbar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the footbar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Footbar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's the footbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. I love that Footbar Walker, and it's on sale right now, so go check it out. It really helps in terms of diminishing um, injuries for both the person using the walker and those assisting them as well. Now, today we're going to be talking about dementia and mental and social wellness initiatives. And Tori Tellum is our guest, and she is the founder of Comfort Human, which creates um, both mental and social wellness initiatives for those living with uh, Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. She is a published journalist. She has produced television and film. Uh, She's a writer and an author of Conversations with Alzheimer's is her book. So welcome, Tori. I'm just thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, we're going to have we're going to have a fun conversation for sure. And you are doing such cool things. Um, But before I kind of dive into that, I always like to ask um, each one of my guests if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. I have my paternal grandmother, and she was the first person I ever interacted with um, who had dementia. So it was, a, it was a very interesting introduction because all I knew about it before is what I had seen on TV, and it was usually a sitcom, The Wacky Neighbor. Gotcha. Yep, that, and that is how it is portrayed so, so mm-hmm. often. Well, thanks for for sharing that um, with us. I want to um, ask you to first, uh, you know, describe to us what is social wellness and social caregiving to you? And also, what is your focus of your, your company called Comfort Human? Well, I look at 
social caregiving is this kind of unique area. There's the traditional caregiving, which is uh, the personal, the the physical health. um, And then there's unrelated to that, what um, is just talking, it's, it's doing art, it's things that aren't sometimes associated with the things that those with dementia don't like. Um, there's the doctors and then there's the fun side. And so I try to stick with the fun side. Um, Comfort Human was born, the name was born from um, animals. They're there for support. They're there for companionship. People have legitimate reasons for taking them with them in public. Um, but then it started to grow, at least in my part of the country, to people taking their regular pets because they just wanted to take them places. And so I Googled, what is a comfort pet? Found that. And then I Googled, what is a comfort human? And there was nothing. And I thought, well, how come we aren't there as humans for each other in the same capacity as what these pets are doing? So that was where that name came from. And then it just kind of merged into um, a full mental health uh, ride for me. Oh, I love that. I, you know, when I speak, I talk about um, caregivers and I break it down into car and e-givers and the car Mm -hmm. stands for conscious awakening of relationships. And the e-givers is about that emotional giving. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that's really what you're talking about, getting people to feel comfortable. And that isn't, that isn't always that long task list that we have of, you know, now we've got to do the finances and cut the grass and do the doctors and yeah. the meds and, and all of those things. And that's what people think is caregiving. But what people really want is that that relationship and that comfort and to feel safe, which all of us want. Right. Um, but it, right. it, a lot of times I think it gets overlooked on that. So <clears throat> let's talk about your, your book, Conversations with Alzheimer's. Um, how did that, how did that come to be? How did that birth out of you? You know, I know, I know books are um, a, a, a big, difficult task. A lot of times, you know, they take a lot mm-hmm. more work than people think. And so why don't we start out with the title and then what people um, could expect to find in your book, Conversations of Alzheimer's. After my grandmother passed away, I had been in the memory care unit for a number of years with her. And after she passed away, I couldn't find myself able to kind of deal with the idea of never seeing any of those fellow residents of hers anymore. So I became a volunteer pretty much within the hour after she passed away. And um, I would do basically what I was terming at that time, social, um, social caregiving. I would ask for the residents who had no visitors. Um, I had, I asked for the ones who had no visitors, the ones who were always on their own. And they were the ones I wanted to spend time with. But what I started to realize is that um, the conversations that I would have with my grandmother when she was in the more advanced stages um, were not the quote-unquote word salad, and they weren't really forgetful. She was kind of caught in a loop of asking the same five questions. So I was used to that. What I wasn't used to or even familiar with were the word salads, were the uh, the various the, the various levels of um, speaking, 
um, and, and conversation and capabilities that came once I started volunteering. But I learned really quickly that asking things like, oh, how many kids do you have? What did you do for a living? Would either, it would, it would sometimes make them agitated because they couldn't remember or I was striking a nerve if they hadn't seen their children because they lived in another state or the children didn't want to come visit anymore because they figured there was no point. But what do I talk about with them then if I can't talk about the usual things? So um, a, a patient one day sort of enlightened me on uh, things that don't change with, uh, with age and dementia, and that has to do with how you feel, your emotions. So I started coming at these conversations in a completely different way. And instead of asking them uh, questions that required memory, it became about how do you feel about this? I'm thinking of doing this. Do you have any advice for me? And it changed everything. They, they, even the people who were never talkative, according to uh, the, the staff, were suddenly uh, engaged. Even if they weren't specifically talking, they were listening. Over, over the years, I would write down these quotes that they would say because I thought they were so moving or funny or um, just deep. And I would text or email them to friends to say, look at this wonderful thing. Listen to this. Have you thought about this? And they were not, um, none of the quotes were making fun of anybody. They were just these really moving and inspirational things they were saying. And so that, that kind of came, that birthed the title. Um, and it also melded into this, this project because of what I had seen when I was, um, uh, I, I had to stop volunteering for COVID. Like most people, you know, they kind of, you know, had to keep limited. So, so, but prior to COVID, what I was seeing for years was that family didn't know how to talk with their loved one or their friend. So I just wanted to write this book to say, okay, here are some things that I did. You might have really good luck with these things too. And it might help with both your struggle to um, feel like you're trying to engage with the same memories that you have that this person no longer has. And here are some new ways that you can, you can converse with them. Uh, Cause it worked for me. It might work for you. Oh, I love that. You know, I, I've been in this space since 09 and I've never heard somebody sum it up the way you have. And to me, it makes uh, so much more sense when you were talking about, you know, don't ask questions that's going to kind of focus, focus on a right or wrong that this really happened or didn't happen. Um, but to really let them focus on how they feel. So often we say, ask open-ended questions and don't worry if it's right or wrong. But when you get mm-hmm. to that whole, you know, kind of treasure trough of how they feel, because, you know, we all feel a little bit different and and, and we don't mm-hmm. have a right to tell somebody else how they feel, um, I think just makes so much more sense. And I think it's more easily understood um, by people in terms of how to do that in terms of giving comfort. I, I know with my mom, um, that made life so much easier and it made, it made it easier for me as a daughter to find joy, um, mm-hmm. to be able to find that happiness and comfort in her that I could kind of settle into that too 
instead of stewing yeah. in worrying about all the things that need to be done or, and, you know, kind of focusing on those task type things or those right and wrong kind of preferences. So I, I love, right. um, I love how you summed that up. And I think the title, you know, sounds, sounds absolutely perfect. Let's talk about also, um, you know, I'm wondering if you've heard from families at all in terms of, of feedback um, on your book at all and what they're saying. I have. Um, the, the, the things that mean the most to me are the people who do say, I don't even know what to talk about my mom with anymore. And so I'm going to give this a try. Um, I have, I have a, a friend who's dealing with um, a parent more recently going through this, and he's asked me a number of times, okay, how should I, how should I do this? What can I do this? And so it's, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I've, I've been through this, and I've been in the same position as these, as, as these people who I'm talking to who are struggling. And so, I mean, we, we know with dementia and Alzheimer's, there is no, there is no guarantee of anything. Um, it, you know, what works today may not work tomorrow, but it may work five days after that. But these are things to try, you know, and to just be patient because, you know, you just don't know. It's it's really hard. It's just really hard, and there's no right or wrong answer, like I said. Yeah. I wish I would have known about your book just a couple of days ago because I was doing um a presentation and actually that comment came up, you know, my mom really can't talk anymore. And how do I have a conversation? You know, what do I say without getting her, her agitated? And um, so if you um, aren't in dementia map, I would really encourage you to list your book in there. I think that would okay. um, help significantly. And just even in your description, talk about what people can find in there and, and how it helps. I, I you know, that's one of the biggest struggles I think family and friends have is what do I do? Because their perceptions mm-hmm. of the disease, you know, there's so much stigma around it. Um, people are afraid and it's kind of like death and divorce. Mm-hmm. People just kind of walk away from it um, yeah. because it makes them feel so uncomfortable. So kudos to you for, you know, doing something powerful and um, trying to help others and, and giving them ideas. Um, I think the more, more we can kind of put in our tool chest, because like you said, you know, when you've met one person with dementia, you've met one and might work one mm-hmm. minute, not another. Um, but we just we just all need um, more education and more resources to draw on and know that, you know, don't look at it as a failure, you know, just pick okay. another tool. <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Um, and I and I also saw a lot of families get so frustrated or annoyed or, or and you know throw in the towel because they'd say, "What's the point? They don't remember who I am anyway." Like, well, you know, that may be the case, but just get to know the new person then and and find new common ground and create new memories with them and you know enjoy enjoy this person. Yeah, they can't and help they, what they're going through. Yeah, and they may not remember your name but typically right. they they associate a feeling with you you know my mom right. my mom used to always say she was in the nursing home for like 14 years and she ended up moving in because my my dad was there at the end of his life and she wanted to be mm. be by him and um you know her dementia was to the point where where that could occur um but i'll never forget you know i would go in to visit with her when she was still social you know, with her friends, and and I would walk in the door, and she'd say, "And that's my mother, and she takes such good care of me." 
And there was always this one little old bitty that wasn't part of the group, you know, and she would scream at my mom going, Dorothy, that's not your mother. That's your daughter. (laughs) And then my mom would kind of giggle and go, oh, I have Alzheimer's. And then her whole group would laugh and the woman would get even more mad. Um, But I remember my brother um, experiencing that with me. He walked in with me and he, he was like, doesn't that upset you? And I said, no. And he's like, she calls me Chuck all the time. And Chuck was her brother. And mm-hmm. and so he's like, how can she think that I'm her brother? I've been her son for 50 years. And I said, Mark, I said, first of all, mom's gone back in time. And, you know, before mm-hmm. she was married, before she had kids, and she loved Uncle Chuck. I said, and mm-hmm. if you look in the mirror, you look like Uncle Chuck when he was younger. I said, <laughs> He's just associating you with love. It gets back to that feeling. And I said, you know, and he's like, well, you don't look anything like grandma. You know, how can that be? And I said, I don't know. But, Mark, you're forgetting her relationship with her mom. She didn't have a good one. And um, when she was, when my mom was like 15, her dad died of a massive heart attack. And story goes that my grandma kind of had a nervous breakdown and she left my mom home alone and she went and traveled around the world. And wow. so, so my mom had some abandonment issues with her mother. Mm-hmm. And I said, but what an honor that somehow mm-hmm. she has healed that through our relationship. I said, I just see that right. as just a, a huge gift that I could be part of that. But, you know, both of those stories, I think, really show the importance of how somebody feels, um, even if they don't recognize, you know, and can't say your name, you know, it it really, it shouldn't matter. And, you know, we need to get our egos out of the way. Right. And the great thing about that story was that your mom was happy. Even if she didn't know who you were, she felt good. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're trying to have them feel is good. That's all we want is that for their mental health to still matter. Yep. Yeah, I, I was, and it took me a while to figure this out, but I kind of weaned it down for myself that I needed to focus on was mom safe, happy, and pain-free. I had to go down to like the, the base of Maslow's theory and just, and then when I did that, I looked at everything I did differently and I was Mm. able to release a lot of stress I was putting on myself because I found Mm -hmm. things on my, my checklist. I didn't really need to do, but I put them down because they made me feel like I was doing something, but it really didn't matter Mm -hmm. to her. And so, you know, it really helped me become more relationship based and at peace. Like you said, when she's at peace, I, I could finally just sit on the couch next to her and feel comfortable. I didn't have to fill it with words Mm. anymore. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, yes. but, but getting people used to that quiet time when we're so, we're so used to mm-hmm. filling it um, mm-hmm. and being busy and doing something, uh, you know, makes a, it makes a huge difference when you can make that shift as a, you know, dealing with a loved one or as a professional. I mean, it just changes Correct. everything and everyone's calmer, I think. You know, when we yeah, we, we, and we do feel like, okay, I have one hour to visit with my relative. I, I need to make it count. We need to be doing yep. this. We need to be looking at this. And I have found that some visits that I have with, with 
with residents are just, they just want to watch TV next to somebody. And I think, well, that's not so bad in my life. Why am I judging them if this is all they need right now? And they're completely happy. Every once in a while, they might comment on something that's on the TV. And that's, that's a perfect hour for them. Yep. One of my favorite quotes is by uh, Harry um, Urban, who is living with dementia. He's been living with dementia like over 15 years. And I thought it was just so profound. And he said, you know, I like to relax before I got dementia. I still Mm -hmm. do. Please don't feel (laughs) like you have to keep me busy or yourself busy all the time. Just sit down Mm -hmm. and, you know, soak up the, if I'm sitting outside, soak up the sun and feel the breeze and smell the flowers. It's Mm -hmm. it's perfectly okay. You know, it's rejuvenating me and it can rejuvenate you if you just slow down. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We, we tend to try to dictate what our time will be like spent with them. And we need to just take a step back and let them sense what we need to sense from them what they want. Exactly. Exactly. And people need to learn how to um, read the nonverbals, you know, since that's Mm -hmm. three quarters of our communication, but we have gotten so trapped into words and, Mm -hmm. you know, the nonverbals are so important. And I've seen it time and time again and talking with people living with dementia around the world, they say the same thing. It's, they said, it's kind of like with any disability, if you lose your sight, your, your hearing, you know, gets more profound um, you know, vice versa. And they said, you know, when I've lost my my cognition and maybe my ability to speak, my other senses kind of rise up and help me take everything mm-hmm. in. And so they're very conscious of our nonverbals and when we are not in alignment, when our words are saying one thing and our bodies saying a whole nother, you know, they're picking up yes. on that really quickly. Yes. Really quickly. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's it may be the only time they have a visitor or one-on-one um, attention that week. Mm-hmm. So let them let them have a nice time instead of a quiz, a memory quiz, and you know correct them when that they, that they've said something wrong. Just go easy. Yep. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm just going to mention, then I'm going to get back to your questions. But one of the things that I found was just like a magic tool was, um, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll, you can go into a memory care and, you know, people might be kind of dozing off and they, they look pretty disconnected and things. And mm-hmm. I would pull out my camera or my phone and um, just start taking pictures. And I, you know, like I've told people, it doesn't make any difference if you have film in your camera, you know, if it's an old camera <laughs> or not. Yeah. But just telling them to smile. Um, mm-hmm. The heads would raise up. The smiles would come on, the eyes would open because, you know, when when you're taking a picture, you are mm-hmm. there with them. I mean, that's a very yes. intimate, that's a good idea, special moment. And it was it was almost like that. Oh, what was that movie where they all jump into the pool and they kind of have that awakening? That's kind cocoon. of what I felt like the cocoon. It was like that where they they just kind of all woke up and they you yes. could just feel they they felt special that someone yes. was going to bother taking a picture of them. And what a simple thing to do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. And, and I, I've thought about, I have a, a very old time, old timey camera and I've, I've never been able to get rid of it and I haven't been able to figure out what to do with it. I, I think I'm just going to start carrying that with me because my phone doesn't look like a camera, <laughs> but exactly. a camera that looks like a camera could, could really be fun for them. Oh, they would, I, I, 
I'll have to have you back on to talk about it because I think you'll be amazed at the response. I know I was. Oh, I, mean, I can't wait. Of, I can't wait. Yeah, it was one of those moments that I'll, I'll just never forget because it was just, and, and then it energized me because, I mean, the whole room changed, you know, and everybody was kind mm-hmm. of watching like, oh, she's taking a picture of them. Oh, you know, and, and it was it was just fascinating to watch, absolutely fascinating, um, you know, to be part of. But but let's talk about, you've got other initiatives we, we need to have people hear about. So you have a baby doll initiative. So talk about this, please. Well, this is something I always wanted to do because one of the places where I volunteered had uh, two baby dolls. And, it, it, you know, it, it it's disproportionately affects women. So there were these dolls for the women um, to, to uh, cradle, and they really treated them like they were, real babies. They would talk to them. They would take them with them to lunch. Um, and so I thought, you know, one day I would love to get enough dolls into every memory care facility in the U.S. because I saw it doesn't work for everybody. Some, some women, some men, they're not interested. Some, some men are, you know, it's just, it's, it's hit or miss, but for the most part, it does have a really good result. doll therapy. Um, so during COVID, at like three in the morning during lockdown, I had this panic attack of if I'm isolated, what's happening with all of the residents? They, they're they in their room. They don't have their routine anymore. They don't have visitors except visitors in masks. They don't understand why they can't come out, why they're eating in their room. Just this whole flood of panic hit me. And I thought, okay, what can I do? So um, I decided that I would send baby dolls to um, – I picked uh, facilities based. I went. On, I got online and started researching which places had the most COVID uh, nursing homes that had the most COVID, and then I narrowed it down to which ones had a memory care unit. I didn't care how they ended up that way. It was not about judgment. I was more concerned about these. These were large memory care units with with a lot of isolated residents. So. I ended up um, posting on Facebook and, and had a lot of friends help, and we all sent dolls to. Um, facilities in like it's California, New York, Michigan, um, just I think it, it was about seven or eight facilities and we ended up sending more than a hundred dolls. We we um, almost hit our goal of how many each one of them wanted. Um, and so that ignited what I had wanted to do before, which is to get dolls into all of the memory care units. There it's not a a, a new idea I've had. Um, there are programs like called Dolls for Alls and they're at a, a more um, city local level um i want to try to get this moving to a bigger scale because it really is beneficial to so many people and especially now when they're still somewhat isolated um and and what the dolls have been known to do is they provide companionship and um i got um a couple of notes from uh nursing homes who received these during covid and they said that the residents were sleeping with the dolls. Some of them were burping them. So it was, it was, it felt like it was very much in the right direction for what they needed at this time. But it's something that is good, even not in a pandemic. Oh, absolutely. I, I've had many families utilize the dolls. And at first they kind of pushed it off and said, oh, that's childish. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it's not about judging. It's about giving someone comfort. And how do we do that? And like you said, mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic, and that can be through dolls. Um, others have gotten, I know I've had friends who have bought the the pet, uh, the robotic pets. 
And yeah. my one friend said, you know, she'd come in and that pet was sitting on, on her dad's lap and he was just petting it away. Or other times it was sitting in the chair across from him and he'd just be looking, you know, at his little puppy dog sleeping and just not feeling mm-hmm. alone. Um, I, I did want to make one other comment, too, you know, because when you talked about, um, you know, kind of being uh, disproportionate between men and women. I had a friend, um, Colin, over in Australia, and they did a, a study with dolls, and it was really kind of interesting. And they they had um, a baby doll, and they had a man and a woman, um, and they, they, this was several. And then they had um, something that looked like coffee that spilled. And it was amazing mm. how both the men and women jumped into gear really almost no matter, you know, how far they were in the disease, you know, if they were still able to, oh. to kind of move and react, they jumped into gear to, to save and comfort that, that baby. And they Isn't said it that was interesting. absolutely amazing. And, you know, the, uh, my understanding was too, once they did that, it allowed the men to be more part of that dolls. And I think part of it is our mm. just society dolls are for girls, mm. you know, type, mm-hmm. type deal, you know, not yeah. a GI Joe, you know, especially for, for right. know, our, our elders and stuff. And so it really opened up the door and they, they said they found more men, you know, finding just as much comfort, the women with the dolls. And I thought that was kind of fascinating in and of itself. Well, And, and to us, it's a doll to them. It's a baby. Yep. So it's a very different reaction. You know, yep. we're, you know we, we do think, oh, it's not macho, but it makes him think of his grandchild or his own child or just something something to take care of, even if yep. you're not related to it. Yep. The, the right human instinct is still there, you know, to, to take yes. care of one another. And, yes. and I think so often we think that that is lost too. But again, it gets down to that core feeling of, of protection and safety and and those things aren't lost um facts like, are gone yeah facts are gone but memories and feelings are not I mean, feelings are not memories are gone but feelings are not yeah it's kind of like I, I remember one time visiting my mom in the nursing home and and we were bombing iraq and the tv was on and i was clearing, cleaning out her closets and and she just started crying. And I thought, Mom, if you want me to stop, I, you know, I'm okay. You're the one who told me to do this. I mean, I really thought it was about, it had nothing to do with me cleaning the closet. She emotionally felt that that bombing was going on right outside the room. And mm. as soon as I turned that off, she was no longer terrified. You know, so looking, you know, we have to look at things really mm-hmm. different in terms of reactions right. because they're realities like you said, you know, baby doll or, or you know, real life baby. You know, those perceptions are very different. Um, but right. they and to your point about emotions. The, yeah, oh, and ahead. to your point about the, ro- the robotic pet, mm-hmm. I had a, a resident I was seeing whose family had given her a stuffed cat that was sleeping in a, like a curled up position. I, I knew her for about six months before she passed away. And every time I saw her for six months, she would, she would say to me, why won't Peaches wake up? Why won't Peaches wake up? And I would talk mm. to her about, well, I have a cat, and this is what he does. He likes to sleep during the day. And so I would try to explain, no, she, she, was, she was convinced that this, this cat had died. So 
there's something, there's little things like that that we don't think about how they will interpret it versus how, oh, we're giving them a stuffed animal that they'll love. But to think about, you know, she couldn't cuddle the cat because it was curled up in like a box thing. So all she could do was stare at it in this curled up position, never moving, never, never opening its eyes, she would say. So. And worrying, just worrying. Yeah. Exactly. Where some of them, you know, have sensors on them. So they'll just kind of wag the tail or open the eyes every now and then. Um, So yeah, those are really, that's a really, really good point. Um, to understand where your person is at, what their perceptions are, mm-hmm. not ours. Um, theirs yeah. are the ones that are, are important. Let's also talk about um, pen pals uh, that you have as an initiative as well. Well, part of the not being able to be everywhere at the same moment, which is what I would like to do with with dementia, um, was how can I how can I reach more people? So. I thought about um, writing letters, and then I thought, okay, that's one person. I, I can't write this many letters. I don't want to photocopy something, but who doesn't like getting mail? So um, I decided I would send greeting cards to uh, – I started initially with low-income um, nursing homes and then sort of spread it out to people who were asking for it. And what I wanted to do, because I had learned about sensory and um, touch um, stimulation being – really good. Um, it can be calming. Um, it can reduce agitation. So what I wanted to do was, was make greeting cards that had things on it that they could touch, like puffy balls, feathers, buttons, um, tactile stimulation type stuff. And um, so I was doing these all by hand. I was drawing them. I'm not a good artist, but um, I was drawing them and then I was putting all the stuff on it. And it was taking forever, and I started enlisting the help of um, local schools. And it was great because the students only understood that they were making cards for lonely people, and they didn't want them to feel lonely. So they got really into these projects and, um, and were creating these beautiful cards that were their interpretation of sometimes it was whatever the school, uh, the class lesson was, the, mm-hmm. the, there was a week where they were learning about reptiles and I got kind of weird stuff, (laughs) but it didn't matter. It was still really cute. And um, so I, I send those out every month. I've been doing it for a couple years now. And I think I'm at about closing down 350 cards. Um, And um, I kind of have uh, streamlined it a little bit since it's just me uh, due to again, COVID um, so I make copies of four different greeting cards and, you know, ship those off, but, um, it's, it's, they're getting mail, they're getting something they can hold on to for the month or longer and they can touch it and, and just hopefully find this sense of, of calm and peace, even if it's just for a few minutes. So uh, that's, I- that's the other thing I have going on. Well, you know, I love that. I have a, a girlfriend, and she was like, gosh, you know, we, we've got to get letters to these people. You know, they're shut in, and, you know, how do we do that? And I said, you know, you can reach out to any community. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it was really hard to even reach out to a community and find out who do I send yes. these to um, because yeah. they were so uh, tech- short-staffed. Yeah, my tech tip is always the activities director. There's, there is, I have yet to call a place that doesn't have one. 
Um, mm-hmm. And they will usually distribute something. Um, you have to right now, you still have to kind of check and make sure that they're uh, allowing outside packages. I think that that's been fine. I just restarted Pen Pals last month because we've cleared all the CDC um, obstacles with, with outside materials coming into the homes. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would say if somebody's anxious to, to do something like that, it would be to talk to the activities director or even a volunteer coordinator. Yep, yep. Well, and even but if you also keep in mind that they can't read if they can't read the letter, um, mm-hmm. you know, just do artsy things, do things that kind of are brightly co- colored in it. Draw pictures, draw faces, put stickers in it, because if they can't read the words, they can at least enjoy what they're looking at. Yep, yep. They can feel. They can feel the love, mm-hmm. you know, through that. Yep. And I, I love that yep. you're doing the sensory. I think that that is, uh, that that is brilliant. Uh, and then you have pen pals as, as pen and then P and then ALZ for, for Alzheimer's. I thought that was the, right. that was, that was pretty smart uh, in terms of, you. of your branding and stuff there. Well, I, you know, I love these initiatives. Do you have any others that you're thinking about or is this keeping you plenty busy? I definitely have a couple in the pipeline. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. still too soon to, to talk about them, but there are ones that one of them I really, really hope um, can move forward because um, it's it's something that I think will also help with what what families and friends can do when they're visiting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, to try to make it easier for both parties. Um, sure. So yeah, it's, but it's a little too soon. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I understand that. I I definitely understand that. I, you know, I uh, what you're doing, um, you know, I think is wonderful. And I would really encourage our our listeners. You know, if you've got an idea, go for it. You know, you got nothing to lose. Um, we could all do do things in different shapes and sizes. Or, you know, are you open to um, having people help in terms of, um, you know, donating for baby dolls or, you know. It, um, helping with the pen pals, um, you know, can people co- collaborate with you on that and, and expand that base or are they better off um, starting on their own? What What is your thought with that? I would love the help, particularly with pen pals. Um, since, since my art repertoire is pretty much a, like a dog and a flower and a, the sun, and I think they're probably <laughs> sick of getting the same cards. Um, if people have done drawings or watercolors and they're just collecting dust on their computer or they have them, if they want to take a photo, I can start creating cards based on, on those to send. So um, the, the baby doll thing, I, they can reach out to me. I don't know yet. Um, I don't want to take m- money from people because what I'm trying to do is, is try to get a company involved that will want to donate so, mm-hmm. um, but they can they can always send dolls to their um, to their loved one or to the their loved one's um, home. You know, mm-hmm. just a couple go far because they can wash the the staff can wash them and they're and they're um, reusable. Um, I would say just go without any attachments that could be swallowed or choked or stepped on. Um, yep. Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be the, the, the softest doll or the hardest doll. Um, just anything that's washable. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, some of these communities have little stations, um, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have sensory stations. So, um, you know, I've been in a few of them where they have um, one to kind of care for a baby. They have a changing table and they have That's diapers great. to fold and, and clothes, you know, there's a little basket. And so um, there's a brush, you know, the whole nine yards. And so some of these communities have these little stations or they have one for, um, makeup or, you know, guys maybe that are handy, handyman, and I shouldn't say mm-hmm. that, you know, handy people these days, um, you know, because we're all doing a little bit of everything. Um, but, you mm-hmm. know, those are things that you can help encourage or sponsor and, um, and mm-hmm. um, in talk with them on because those are really powerful or um, just auditory, you know, sometimes just putting like a little uh, CD in a loop, you know, where maybe they have a a quiet little place to sit and maybe it's an outdoor scene where, you know, you just buy a mm-hmm. CD that loops and the birds are tweeting and the breeze is blowing and it just adds a little more ambiance. So there's lots of different things right. that we can do as individuals to, to help. Um, and right. again, this is all, you know, this all gets back to sensory and comfort. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when my mom was in the nursing home, she and this is a big issue for a lot of people, but she used to love the water and then she hated the showers and she would just scream that it hurt, mm-hmm. it hurt. And mm-hmm. I talked with um, Tipa Snow um, after a, a conference and I said, gosh, do you have any ideas? And she said, you know, as we age, you know, and this got me thinking about how we touch. She says, as we age, we lose our fat pads and our nerves yeah. are more exposed. And I said, well, you know, my mm-hmm. mom's a heavy woman and she's like, it has no, no difference in terms of if someone's heavy or not, the nerves come to the top. And so she says that water pressure is actually hurting her skin. Her nerves, you know, Mm -hmm. are more exposed. And so I went back to the nursing home and I I marched into the the executive director and I said, I want to buy rain shower heads, handheld rain shower heads for Mm -hmm. all of your bathrooms. And he looked at me like, well, what for? And then I explained it and he's like, oh gosh, that's brilliant. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and yes. then people can start from the bottom instead of the top. And yes. I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many things that we learn and it's nice mm-hmm. that we learn them, but we have to share them. We have to share them with other people and let them know what we've learned. And, and we can't expect that the homes know what everything that we know. I know that sounds strange, but even in my, my simple process of calling about the, the dolls, I talked to a woman who had been at, at the particular place she was for years, and she said, oh, I've never heard of dolls before. So yep. it surprised me, but then I said, okay, you know what? I've seen, I've been to many, many, many different homes, and they're all different. So, mm-hmm. you know, just well, it, whatever. Go ahead. No, it, it, that, is, that is so true. You know, we've all learned different things in different ways, and, you know, and, and just, sometimes you can you can hear something 45 different ways and then all of a sudden the the 46th time it's like oh that makes sense to me now you know you're you're processing it and so right you know we have to understand that is that is a normal thing you know when you were talking about the pen pals and um i i'm kind of thinking i should hook you up with a a group of of uh, people with alzheimer's that do art they do some of the most beautiful art uh, and this might be something that they would be really interested in doing to be able to share their artwork, um, you yeah. know, by sending cards and things. And 
In addition to that, it would also help the communities and the families, not only just the person with dementia, realize the, you know, what a person with dementia can, is still capable of doing. Yes, 100%. And, and so I'll, I'll make that connection for you. Okay, thank I think, you. I, I think that could be really, uh, really just a cool, cool project. I did a... Um, a video um, with them and I was just amazed at the different types of art that they did and their explanation and how that made them feel. So it would mm. kind of be like a double dip because it would lift their spirits most likely as well as mm -hmm. the person receiving it at the other end and be educational yes. to boot. Yes. With all of yes. That. Yeah. So no, that, yeah. that would be lovely. Yeah. I that guess instead of double Instead of double dip, I should have said the trifecta, <laughs> you know, with that <laughs> three-way kick there. Um, how can people um, get involved with, with your initiatives and what you're doing? They can either go to the website and email me, which is comforthuman.org, or if they have a, a, a pen handy, it's info at comforthuman.org. Or if they're on Instagram, they can go to the official Comfort Human and just send me a message there. Okay. Well, I will add your email um, to the the blog and the radio show page because I did not have that. Oh, okay. Um, and Thank so you. that was so that was info at comforthuman.org um, or just Correct. going to going to the website there. Um, do you have a Facebook page too, or? I don't. Okay. 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 I just, just know there's Instagram. so many so many people on there that uh that would be wonderful if you ever decide to expand to that. Um I, I had it, I had it and then I sort of shifted off of it. I, I <laughs> may go back to it. Um but I generally am, am more reachable at those other places. Okay. Okay. Well, sounds good. Well, this has just been a wonderful conversation with you, Tori. I, I mean, I just applaud you for what you're doing. I would really encourage people to um, go check out your book as well, Conversations with Thank Alzheimer's. You. Um, you know, go to the website and find out about the Baby Doll Initiative and the Pen Pals and um, feel free to reach out to her with any questions or comments. Um you know, it, it's always fun to make connections with people and to um, to lift up the work they're doing because it, it's really quite incredible what you're doing. And um, I just thank you for your time and your effort very much. So, Thank you, Lori. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. For our listeners, don't be shy about this episode. Like, click, and share. Um, this is important information that you know, could just give comfort not only to the person with dementia, but to the family and to the staff as well. Let's, let's make life easier and work together. Have a blessed week, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. Bye now. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.